0: welcome to a single serving podcast. This is where we change the discussion around being single into one that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Shaney Silver. I'm a writer and freelancer based in Brooklyn, and I've been single for 11 years. Whenever I see content for single women online, it's about dating, how to date, where to date, how to date better, how to survive dating. And I think we deserve more than that. So on this podcast, it's my goal to expand what we talk about when we talk about being single and acknowledge the realities of it that non-single people don't get to see. I'll be joined every week by guests and we'll talk about the positives, the negatives, and all the parts in between, and hopefully laugh about them too. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, I'm talking to Sarah Bacon, and for once, I did not connect with my guest on Twitter. I actually connected with her because she is a friend of Jake Kilroy, who was a guest on this podcast in an episode called It's a Boy. Um, I really encourage you to listen to that. It was really fun to record. And in getting to know Sarah, she and I have a lot to talk about that I think speaks to the questions that are often posed in the Facebook group, and those center around Physical contact, sex, sensuality, all of that stuff. I think she's a really great voice in this space, and I'm really happy that I got to talk to her. Um, as always, if you have a second to leave a rating or a review, that would mean a hell of a lot to me. I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. Um, if you ever have any ideas for topics or guests or anything at all, you can email me at a single serving podcast at gmail.com. I also hope that you're in the Facebook group. It's a really great space. There are real-life meetups in cities that I don't live in, which absolutely blows my mind. Um, It's really, really a fun discussion, and I'm so glad that um, that space is growing. So I encourage you to join us in there. If you guys are ever curious about the glamour of podcast life, I just had to re-record the end of this introduction because you could hear my cat barfing in the background. Thought I would spare you guys that joy. Thank you for joining me. Happy to have you.
1: Yeah, like there's never a time where I press record and I'm not super nervous before the podcast
0: begins. Right. I know.
2: Yeah, I was a little nervous too. I also was debating I was feeling tired this morning and I I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to coffee and I'm house sitting at this house that has this really strong espresso maker and I'm like <laughs> do I have espresso to wake me up or is it going to cause me to be like really jittery? And sure enough, my heart is like racing (laughs) and I'm like, cool, (laughs) probably not the best move.
1: (laughs) So welcome to a very caffeinated podcast. Yes. I'm your host, Jamie Silver, and this is Sarah Bacon. Sarah, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do.
2: Sure. So I live in Newport Beach, California, and I am a writer. I am a podcaster. Um, I have a blog, and I also do some freelance work on the side. And yeah, I'm a, a cat mom, and I'm just kind of living a really fun and flowy life right now in, in the season that I'm in.
1: Amazing. Mm-hmm. What's the name of your podcast?
2: It's called High Friend with the H-I, um, and I started it with one of my best girlfriends. And so we used to talk about just life as 30-year-olds and kind of – Around topics of singleness and dating and what that looked like in our stage of life, but it really branched out into all different topics. And then I've kind of she moved away, unfortunately. We're still friends, but I asked if I could keep the podcast going on my own, um, just to chat about things that like I'm experiencing in my life. And yeah, topics have definitely centered sort of around the theme of singleness and um, being in your mid 30s and what that looks like, and and all the things.
1: Do you love podcasting? Because I'm finding that like, I was super nervous to start doing it. And then once I've become a podcaster, I found like that I absolutely love this shit. What are your thoughts on being a podcaster?
2: I have mixed thoughts. I honestly, not to be super self deprecating, but I, I don't necessarily think I'm great at it, but it's just the preferred medium that I enjoy. Like I love to write, but it's so time consuming sometimes. And I think the ways that I'm used to both communicating with my friends and then receiving or like consuming content is all audio these days. Like I'm mostly on Marco Polo with my girlfriends. I listen to podcasts all day long. And so
1: wait, I'm sorry. What's Marco Polo?
2: Oh my gosh. It's a video. (laughs) You record video snippets and send them back and forth to your friends. So it's like a walkie talkie app, but with video and it is life-changing especially for my friends that are long distance because you can record whenever you want you don't have to be on like live facetime type of a thing and it just helps me feel really close to to my friends and I do it in the car obviously not like looking at the, the phone the whole time but all day long
1: <laughs> oh my god this is gonna be my entire weekend isn't it
2: I, I mean if any of your friends already have it I'm sure that they probably do but you sometimes you just have to convince them to get on board and then once they'll start you you'll never you'll never look back
1: Oh my god, I can't wait. Okay, (laughs) awesome. Um, I'm the polar opposite. I find that podcasting is so much more time consuming for me than writing. Because when I write, it's like it comes out of my brain, I do an edit, it's done. Like I'm a very like to the point direct writer and it just sort of like is a very easy flow for me. Mm, mm -hmm. But with podcasting, it's so I find that it's like really time consuming to like communicate with guests and record and edit because I'm a True. shit editor, absolutely <laughs> garbage <laughs> editor. But my listeners are very kind. And they're like, oh my God, I can't even tell. <laughs> you're really being sweet to me. Thank you. No, you're doing um, a
2: great job, especially for someone who just started. And yeah, I hardly ever edit. That's why it's easier for me. And I'm mostly doing solo ones. So yeah, I have less coordinating to do than you do.
1: It's, it's a dance. It's mm-hmm. a lovely little <laughs> dance. Um, so As of today, what are your thoughts on being single? Like, how are you feeling about it headspace wise? Like, what is your, what's your single perspective? And I want to be very clear to everyone listening. When I ask this question that I'm not asking to like, I don't want false positives. I don't want to gloss over anything. There's been some, some Facebook group chatter lately um, that I really like. It's actually really cool about not um, bypassing the negatives, Mm -hmm. not just like being only focusing on the positive or only like sharing positive memes for a better way right. to put, I don't have a better way to put it, but I want to make sure that like, you know, and everyone else knows that I want like total honesty about it. And it's okay. I think if we have negative feelings about it from time to time.
2: Absolutely. And yeah, that's what I love so much about the space that you've created and both on the podcast and the Facebook group is it really does feel like a safe space that we can be really honest about some things that we probably can't share elsewhere. And so, but with that being said, uh, to be honest, I'm actually in a really, really good place with being single. And I have been for a while now, but it's been pretty intentional. I've kind of worked to get to this point just because I, I've i been single single for a little over three years now with only maybe a handful of dates I've gone on since then and only like a couple guys that I've even kissed. Or I mean, it's been pretty desert-y for those last three years. And I've had mixed feelings about being single in there, but I kind of got to a point where I was just like, there has to be more, more to life than hoping and waiting to be married. And not that my life centered around that, but I just realized that there were things I was subconsciously waiting on to like step more fully into my life or like, Oh, I'll be able to do that when I can get married or whatnot. And I was like, no, I reject that. I, I have such an amazing life right now and I want to figure out how to fully embrace that, um, to the max basically. And so I've, I've actually just been doing a lot of like thought work and emotional work around reframing anything that I previously thought was negative about being single and not to say yeah. there's not space for uh, absolutely all the feelings about being single. It can be really hard. Um, I think we're going to talk about some, some of those things, but, <laughs> um, but at the same time, I, there is so much goodness about it. And I just feel really grateful that my life is so wonderful and full as it is right now.
1: How do you think that you changed your headspace? How do you think that you came to that realization that you've rejected all of the just sort of garbage that we live in and ha- and decided to choose a life that looked differently?
2: I think it was a lot of kind of questioning the status quo so like what are we being what messages are we being told about about marriage or motherhood or whatever it might be and or singleness and how can I like reframe that into something or is that even true? Like asking for myself, like, is marriage really better than being single? Um, and when I was able to more logically kind of realize there's actually really a lot of positives to both sides and it's just my choice as to what I choose to focus on then that became easier. Yeah. And then anytime I just have something where there is a challenge or something that's hard, I try to just think like how how can I either create that feeling that I'm longing for in the life that I have right now, or how am I already receiving that in maybe another form that I wasn't aware of. And then just bring my attention to that. If that makes sense.
1: It makes total sense. Believe (laughs) me, you are preaching to the choir, podcasting to the choir out here. (laughs) Um, so one of the, uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on as a guest is, so we've talked before, just full disclosure mm-hmm. to to the audience, but um, I like the way that you look at single life because I think you take a really holistic view of the whole space. And um, as you know, one of the reasons that I do this podcast is because I want to talk about more than dating when we talk about being yeah. single, because like everything that's fed to us and everything that's marketed to us and like designed for us is centered around ending what we are. And I think that gets to be like, like, oh, you're single. You must not want to be. Let's fix that. Like, let's it, fix it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you and I have talked about so many other components of being single. And a, a key thing for me is that like, those things are allowed to be shit sometimes, mm-hmm. without us also feeling like we have to change. Like, does that right. make sense? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's okay if something is rough or something is difficult to get through um, it's okay to acknowledge that. And at the same time, acknowledge that being single isn't a bad thing. And I think in chatting with you, you vibe on that with me very well. So mm-hmm. my question for you is, um, the difficulties of being single are legion. Obviously there's a shitload of them, but like mm-hmm. what, what for you personally have you come up against that has been super difficult for you in this space that that is not necessarily like dating?
2: Yeah. So I think the things that have been harder for me to reframe, like most of the things I've been able to be like, Oh no, you're getting this, this where, or this place or, um, have been, have been like things that I just, there's no way around it. Like for instance, I I only have one grandparent left and the thought of him, my granddad, not being at my wedding, like makes me really sad. And so I sometimes can be jealous of people who got married younger and had like their full families at their weddings and got to watch them like have children and all of that. And so I think just the timing, sometimes you're like, there's just really nothing I can, I can do about that. Um, Another one is, and this is just very vulnerable, like (laughs) insecurity, which I know is placed on me from like outside sources. But sometimes I'm like, dang, I feel like I'm, I don't like the feeling that I'm like aging or that I'm going to either be like less desirable or have I don't know. Just be like someone that's aging or not as attractive, which is so silly. I always counter that immediately with like, okay, and what do you expect the guy to be? Like he's aging too. At the same time, it's just that we're held to these different standards. And I don't um, think there's
1: any shame in that at all. I used to be really sad thinking. This is a really honest thought. I don't. I don't <laughs> mind admitting this. I've admitted every other goddamn thing. But like <laughs> I used to be really sad that my like the photos from my wedding Mm. would not be a time capsule of who I was when I was young. Mm, Like inevitably they're going to be an older version of me Mm -hmm. compared to like whatever, no longer in my twenties me. It might not even be thirties me. Like it might be forties or fifties. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But for some reason I think I was looking at, you know, all of the beautiful leather bound wedding albums in my family and how everyone looked so young and Uh it was like something out of a different time. It was like a time capsule of life. Uh Um, and that's not going to happen for me. I'm going to be older in my wedding photos. And that used to make me so sad. Hmm. Now I'm like, Thank God, because there's never been like a period of my life where I've been like, you looked great. No, <laughs> I've always looked like a fucking moron. Like, that's just the way that I like. I oh mean, I'm not like an ugly moron, but no, a moron. No. So I don't give a shit how old I am in my wedding photos, because I tend to think that I'm like aging like a decently priced wine.
2: No, you're de- aging amazingly. And that's, first of all, thanks for admitting that. Because yeah, I, I don't think I've really shared that out loud with many people. Um and also, yeah, same, like looking back and it's not like I was great at how I did my hair or my make. I just, I don't know. It's like, we're learning, we're growing into ourselves the older we get and we know like what we like and what feels good. And so I know it's not going to be an issue. It's just one of those things that you, you think about from time to time. And then yeah. the other one is, is definitely, I think I've had to figure out like, yes, I can get physical affection from some sources, but they're it's not going to be the same as like an emotional connection with the physical um, connection. And I personally have chosen um, to save certain parts of my sexuality and that experience for the like confines of marriage in in so many ways, not to say that I have all the time, but so I think yeah, naturally, like of course I want to be married then to have that full experience. And so it feels like something at times that I'm missing out on in my life, but yeah i've i've done a lot of thinking and in working around that as well
1: i think physicality in general like physical touch like before I, we even talk about the sexual side mm-hmm. of physical touch but just like the like um like any kind of physical contact with another human being i think is really necessary yeah. for us to to maintain like strong emotional states in general mm-hmm. um when you're single like i can count The number of times I come into physical contact with people, not even in a week, in a month, I can count like the hugs. I can count the handshakes. It's really, really rare Mm -hmm. that I come into any kind of physical contact with other people. I think that's why I have a cat and the poor thing has to deal with being (laughs) snuggled to oblivion Uh because like cuddles are important and snuggles are important. And if you are living alone and you don't like, if you're not constantly surrounded by people who are super affectionate, it can be a very like, like a barren space of just not being touched. And I think like being cognizant of that and realizing that you do need some sort of physical comfort is a really, really key thing. It's finding it that I find a bit difficult to actually like solve. Like I know for sure, like I'm going to, um, I'm going to brunch this weekend mm-hmm. with a bunch of people from this podcast, Facebook group. And I, it's so great. I know I'm going to get hugs there. I'm going to a wedding right after that. I'm going to get hugs there. Oh, okay. It's like, I know when those moments are coming, but I think it's um it's sometimes hard to go or, or to realize that you've gone a really long time without so much as a high five. It sucks sometimes.
2: Absolutely. And it's yeah, and it can feel really hard to not feel like it's very unfair, like, oh, cool. So married people or coupled people, they are getting this constant as affection and physical touch in their lives. I mean, if it's a healthy relationship type of a thing. And, and so, yeah, we, as single people, it's like, you kind of have to work a lot harder for that, (laughs) um, to bring it into your life.
1: And it's so funny sometimes to talk to my married friends or partner friends whose partner will have gone on a business trip or who will have gone on like a trip without Mm -hmm. them. And they like relish the nights in bed that they're (laughs) alone. They're like so stoked. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) But the grass is always greener. It really is. Like there's no perfect situation. There's just like making your situation every day, like the best it can be with what you mm-hmm.
2: have, I guess. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I start to sound like an after school special really quickly on this podcast. <laughs> so we've discussed the the non-sexual side of things, but mm-hmm. on the sexual side of things, the physical touch and sex are definitely recurring themes for for everybody that's connected to this podcast. Mm-hmm. How have you like sort of dealt with those needs or or cravings because like we don't necessarily know how to satisfy them. So I'm I'm curious about that. And I'm definitely digging into more guests that are going to be speaking about sex specifically Mm -hmm. um, because apparently it's something everyone in the group wants to talk about and I live to please so (laughs) but I'm curious just someone who is like just like me like how do you address cravings for for like sexuality
2: yeah um it's so I have a kind of a layered answer to this, I think. Um, And I'm going to start with like the deeper, more philosophical side of it. But I think back to like taking a step back a little bit and being like something that's been helpful for me has just been awareness of how we perceive messages around sexuality in our culture. And I think that there is this underlying message of Kind of like well shaming women in general for whatever your sexual activity is, oh. but but you know the concept of like if you're not getting any like you're less than or you need to be having sex or whatever. And I I don't know. I just think that that's an unfair message to put on people. Um, and just to be aware that like yeah that our lack of sexual behavior or like sexual activity does not make us less than or we're not like grumpy unsatisfied people because of that it's just oh, one yeah
1: there's such stigma around it there like, really is have, like, having like random casual sex all the time like you're somehow approved like yeah I haven't had sex since God was a child but like <laughs> I'm fully still a sexual being and like I don't Absolutely. Like I don't feel less than at all and I also like it's sort of strange the longer that I don't have sex for the less willing I am to have it super casually mm-hmm. and the more I tend to crave continuing to wait for somebody who like feeds me more than just the physical part of it, if that makes sense.
2: Absolutely. And I think, yeah, that's part of what I was going to say too, is taking that step back really allows you to analyze kind of like, what is it that I really want? Like what feels good to me? And when you've been removed from it for a while, you kind of realize, I mean, and that could be very different for every person, but similar to you, like I, it's just such an intimate thing that I'm like, I want that to be and I've had enough experiences with people who didn't have a lot of regard for me or my heart that doesn't feel good. Like that doesn't feel good afterwards. I end up getting attached. Um I yeah, it just doesn't leave me in a good healthy like mental or emotional state. And so I've realized that at 34 years old I would prefer to be physically intimate with someone that um, I'm sharing emotional intimacy with as well. And yeah. um, a big factor of that for my personal story is that I I decided to give up alcohol for a, a one year period as an experiment. And um, a, a lot of that was sort of triggered by uh, behaviors that were coming out when I would drink around men and mm-hmm. that I was not pleased with. And um, mostly just because, yeah, it was leading to things that were not like who I consider myself to be at my core and um, it was keeping me attached to certain people and, and on and on. And so as I've been in this very sober aware state, I've just kind of realized like, yeah, that doesn't sound appealing to me to just make out with anyone or do whatever. And, and if that feels good to you, that's great. But um, yeah, so I think realizing that and um, just honoring like my own sexuality and, and what it is that I want has been really helpful Um, and then too, so back, like, again, this is kind of a a deeper, more expansive uh, view, but I've really allowed myself to expand my definition of sexuality and sensuality. So I, yes, of course, like the first thing that comes to mind for most of us is like sex with another person or whatever that might be, but we're as human beings, our sexuality and our sensuality goes so much beyond just that. And so even just being aware of like, and taking deep delight and pleasure in like the food that I eat, or the things that I'm seeing, or the smells that I'm smelling, like v- getting just very <laughs> central with my with myself and my surroundings has kind of allowed that to open up in myself and realize that I'm a I can. Express and be a, a sexual being without having to just share that with someone else, if that makes oh sense.
1: Oh my God, 100%. Like, simple pleasures of life are so often overlooked or yeah. glossed over or just seen as chores. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are the kind of person that just eats for nutrition, I don't understand. You. <laughs> I don't <laughs> understand you. Like, sights and sounds and smells and tastes are so awesome mm-hmm. if you allow mm-hmm. them to be. Like, it's, I, I have a hard time remembering this too, because I live in Brooklyn and like, it smells like pee, but when you <laughs> just go a little bit further outside, like I just made plans to go to the beach with a girlfriend of mine. Yes. Cause my, my feet haven't touched sand this year. Yeah. And I don't want to go a whole season <laughs> mm. without touching the ocean, without touching sand. And like, it's, you're so right. That is such a great point that I have not thought about in so long. Oh well, I can
2: imagine that's why you love Paris so much too, right? Like, I think that there's something about other cultures and like the buttery croissants for breakfast and yummy coffee and like watching women eat bread and enjoy it. And like, I don't that's know. That's what's romantic
1: about Paris. <laughs> exactly. Not couples. Bread and women <laughs> eating bread. That's what's romantic about Paris. Don't <laughs> come at me with this kiss on a bridge bullshit. Eat some <laughs> bread, drink some wine that's what's romantic about Paris. Can
2: I share one of my favorite moments from I just went for the first time this last year and me I was too. sitting at a cafe by myself and I, as this lady walked by and she had a baguette coming out of her like backpack and she was holding another baguette that had like a big chunk taken out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this woman is living and knows how to do it right. And it just made me so happy. It's like, she's got her bread in hand and then backup bread for when that one runs out.
1: And it's like the most phallic shape. Oh, <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. But it was, it really made me happy. So anyways, yeah, exactly. Like the ocean, there was this one day where I just was like at the at the beach because I'm lucky I get to live close to the beach. And so just, I was looking at these seashells and like so amazed that there's so much beauty in these seashells. And then I went to this grocery store afterwards and was just, it, that has like a ton of produce and was just so in awe of like all the berries and the strawberries. And I made myself um, a caprese salad that night for dinner and just like really enjoyed every piece of it. And there was something about the whole day that just felt so like I just was so connected to all my senses and felt, yeah, so super sensual.
0: <laughs> I, I love it. You have to find those things that
1: feel really good to you and do them often. yeah, I feel very similarly about going to the movies, and I know that sounds like a really sterile activity, but no was, like it's like a ritual about it for me. I always go to the Alamo Draft House where they give you like food and drinks while you're sitting there watching mm. the movies. So I feel very pampered. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love like I I find personal romance in like picking my own seat that I love, and I don't have to run that by anyone else. Like I'm an yeah. ILC girl. Everyone <laughs> else. Can fuck off. And I like the previews are my favorite part. I want to watch a movie that is comprised just of previews so bad. Ooh, like that is the yeah. dream. I actually, also, yeah, go
2: ahead. No, I love previews too. That's a great idea. I would be so down for that.
1: <laughs> I love all of it. I love storytelling. So I love movies. Mm-hmm. I love just like, it's, it's just like an experience for me that I don't take for granted. Yeah. Um, but I also like a good farmer's market stroll. I take pictures of more produce than I actually bring <laughs> home (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's amazing it's so much fun you have to find those moments that you like have a a very strong like emotional or physical or like desirous reaction to and do Mm -hmm. them more often I think we we don't inject enough like simple pleasure into our lives Mm -hmm. and if we think about pleasure like the mind tends to go immediately towards sex Mm -hmm. and if you're single and like you don't want to have like random one night stands with whoever from Tinder or whoever from the bar, like you can go pretty long distances without having like actual sex or without like actually physically coming into contact with somebody you're sexually attracted to. It can be, there can be really big distances there. So I think you're absolutely right to highlight all of the like other opportunities to, to feel good essentially. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think another thing that has been a challenge for me in the single department has been the desire to have someone like uh, someone else appreciate my body and my beauty, or whatever it might be, like you, we want that validation. We want that, um, like we want to see someone else taking enjoyment in us. And so I think that has been hard to, to wrestle with. But I've been really intentional about like enjoying my own body. And you can take that for all that that means, but even like there's this girl I follow, um, her name is Morgan Day Cecil and she does this sexy selfie challenge, which sounds kind of like (laughs) a funny name, but it's, it's honestly a really beautiful thing that she's doing. And, um, she teaches these courses to women of like, it's kind of like healing your own gaze. And I think so many of us have a hard time, like really looking at and loving and appreciating our bodies. Um, and so, yeah, just like, I don't know, like taking time, like standing in front of a, a mirror naked and like being like, I've started sleeping naked, which is not normally my thing, but I've found that like, and it's not even like a sexual thing necessarily. It's just like, oh, like this is my body. Like I don't get to see it all the time. And I get to enjoy it for my, myself and for what it is and just be so grateful for the body that I live in. Um, and it doesn't have to just be enjoyed by other people people like that's it's not just there for other people's enjoyment obviously but I mean I think sometimes we can really want that outside enjoyment or validation and remembering that it's so important to have that first with ourselves and like to learn what we think is pleasurable on our own like without bringing someone else into the picture for that necessarily. 100%
1: I also sleep naked but it's because I find pajamas annoying like I don't like when they bunch up all around my body I'm a very restless sleeper so like I don't like when my pajama pants like ride up and then feel like a diaper by midnight I'm just not into it it's just more comfortable for me to just be completely naked in bed because it's like you're wrapped up in fabric already like why do you have another layer I don't know but I still buy fancy ass pajamas just for loungewear.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, like buy the lingerie, like buy it for yourself, like buy whatever feels good. And you don't just have to always do that like for someone else. And so, um, yeah, so those are some things. And then at the very like practical high level, um, I, I just find ways to like get physical touch in my life. So obviously we both have a cat in common. I I really think it helps um, because she totally snuggles with me and gives me kisses and it's super helpful. Um, I ask my friends for hugs. I like with some of my girlfriends, like we'll do like back scratches or arm scratches when we're sitting and watching a movie or like play with each other's hair, which is my favorite thing ever. Yeah, it's And it can be vulnerable. Like if you're not like there's some friends that you know, you could have that connection with and other people that, it might feel weird. And sometimes it does feel weird at first. But I've just been like, I want a back rub so bad. Like, can we please swap back rubs while we're watching this movie or something? Because I actually really enjoy giving them too. And then yeah, like I have two of my um, best guy friends are gay. And like, so it's just a really safe, like easy friendship. And they're super tall, and which is totally my type. And so sometimes I'm just like, <laughs> can you just like enclose me in a hug and just let's just stay here for like just a couple minutes like I just really want to feel like wrapped up and they're so sweet at that or like one of them I'm having a sleepover with coming up soon um and so it's just yeah like I really or things like getting a a manicure and springing for the extra shoulder massage or (laughs) um or if scheduling a massage like if you're really feeling that like lack of touch in your life like honestly, just go out and like, there's ways to pay for
1: it. (laughs) There's also free things. Like if you, I might recommend volunteering at an animal shelter. Oh yeah. Like lots of hugs and kisses of any sort. I feel like when I go visit my friends, Connor and Jake in their house, um, that's just North of New York. I get so many hugs from them, but I also get so many dog snuggles from their dog Charlie, and she's the sweetest animal. And you just forget like how you forget, like, totally free affection you forget what that's like that like Mm -hmm. you don't owe anybody anything there's no like like sometimes in sex there can be like this need for reciprocity or whatever but like just going and getting affection from people where you know there's like no it it doesn't have to be an exchange someone can just like give you something out of love and that's it I feel like that's really important
2: Mm -hmm, absolutely yeah little kids and and pets are definitely good for those things So, yeah. So those are some, some things that I've done that have been helpful. And yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I know you've been sharing some similar ones, but have there been any things that have been helpful for you too? Oh
1: man. I think, I think I'm still exploring that because I'm actually very, very comfortable without physical contact. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that's necessarily a trait about myself that I like that I can go a really long time without sex or a really long time without physical contact and be totally cool with it. I think I I wonder sometimes if it's like if that's me or if that's what I've trained myself to become because I'm so like over casual hmm. dumbass sex that like doesn't mean anything and that like doesn't continue past just like once. Mm-hmm. I think I've had enough of those experiences to where I'm almost like okay, fine. If this is what sex and physical contact have been, I'm not fucking doing this again until there is someone in my life that gives me more than that, that gives me everything. That gives me like like just comfort and just hugs and just a text message the next day. And I know yeah. that for sure that's going to happen. And I don't have to like wonder what a guy is thinking or like wonder when I'm gonna see him again. As soon as I find somebody that doesn't make me wonder about anything, that's when I'm gonna start having some sex again. But yeah. before that I'm I'm I think I'm very lucky, and that I don't, um, I don't find myself negatively affected by an absence of physical contact. But I also know that that's not the case for everybody, and then it can get really tough, and it can feel really lonely. Um, so I think we've already discussed like a lot of pretty solid coping skills for that. And I'm really happy about it.
2: Well, and I think that, I mean, first of all, I definitely don't think anything's wrong with that. If anything, I think you're, it sounds like you're at a really healthy place of coming to a point of realizing like, this is what I'm worth. This is what I know that feels good for me. And I'm not going to settle for anything less. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, that's what I was doing with like in the drinking. Like I think that was allowing this certain behavior to come out that ultimately I was wanting it gave me permission, I guess, to hook up with guys or to have, and then it felt like this temporary, um, like momentary fulfillment of that, like, oh, they're attracted to me or I d- like, I got this out of it or whatnot. And then it just left me feeling empty afterwards. And so I think I had to really get to the core of like, okay, Sarah, what are you, what is it that you're actually like needing or craving in your life? And the fact that you're able to identify like, no, I want these deeper, bigger things. And that's when I can like feel free and like good in my sexuality and sharing that with a person then um it's a really good place to be and i agree that i think a lot of us don't always act out of that place and it's a learning um there's a learning curve to figuring out like when we have to get still and be like what am i really want like when i'm saying that i'm craving sex and um, or I'm craving physical attention or affection. Like what is it that, that's at the core of that kind of, um, cause sometimes there is like a deeper sense of loneliness or, um, we're not approving of ourselves or whatnot. And so I think doing some of that internal deep work is, is really important too.
1: And it sucks sometimes. Like that learning yeah. curve, you hit every branch on the way down. Like it's not <laughs> easy at all to like dig it's into what you've really yeah. <laughs> It can be so dark and half of the darkness is just like kind of realizing what you've settled for before. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. have settled for so little in sexual mm-hmm. relationships and so little in interactions with men. And the patience that I have for that is now non-existent. Like yeah. Good. there's- <laughs> I mean, with anyone, if I don't get back what I put in, I'm getting really easy at like letting it go mm-hmm. and just realizing that I deserve more and I like have to walk away from it. It's like, there's, I think that's one of the, one of the reasons why I was so down to delete all the dating apps because mm-hmm. I I looked back through so many messages and I realized that I was sending like really good like opening messages or really good responses or I was always the one to ask the next question to keep the conversation going and the Mm -hmm. garbage I was getting back like the one word answers or the non-responses I was just like what is this I am not like I'm not nothing (laughs) I'm so far from nothing and you can't give me nothing and expect me to give you any more of my time so I'm done
2: yeah. Yeah. I think it's really hard because when you get, when you do start to realize like, oh, this is what I'm worth and this is what I want. And you start to picture what that like whole relationship would look like. You realize how little rises to that level. So there's then been a, a sense of kind of anxiety or fear of like, am I ever going to find <laughs> that thing that will match? Cause all my experiences thus far, most of them have been not great or like really far from that. And so I think that there's this kind of grasping or anxiety that comes with like, am I just going to be alone for a really long time? And unfortunately the answer for some of us might be yes, but I think it's so much worth, like more worth it to be in that place of like sureness and wholeness Um, on our own than settling for something
1: that's less than that. Oh my God. Absolutely. And like, I've been single for 11 years. Nobody can tell me shit. I have already, (laughs) I have been that like, like when does forever start? Like if you say like, am I going to be alone forever? I feel like I've lived forever already. (laughs) So It's like, I'm not scared. Like what can possibly happen to me at this point? Like I know the drill about being single. I like it. I've like Mm -hmm. built a life around myself that I like within it. So it's like, I'm not afraid, but there is a reality. Like if you do pull away from like casually hooking up, if you do pull away from the dating apps, you, there will be less activity in that area of your life. And that's where like all of the coping skills that we've discussed already, that's where those come in Mm -hmm. and that's where they fill in. And that's where you also find other shit to fill that space that you want to do or that you want to try or that you want to explore. Just like the time alone that I've gotten back since I deleted the dating apps is astounding.
2: Yeah. No, it's amazing. And it's, it's so invaluable. I think the space and the time alone, I would not trade for all the dating sex relationships in the world. It's been the mo- Like this last year has been like one of the most beautiful and impactful years of my entire life. And I've hardly had any contact with like no interest in me from any outside men for the most part. And I'm totally fine with that. And similar, like when you live a certain amount of time, and we're still so young, but like you've, you realize like, wow, I've lived so many different chapters and so many lives. And so much can happen even just in the space of a year. So it's like, it makes me so excited for all that's still to come. Like sometimes I'm like, I could easily live another 10 years single and then live for 30 years married and then have kids. You know, it's like, (laughs) time is such a weird construct because I'm like, I hate that we do feel some pressure on time, but I'm like, it doesn't matter. There's still so much fullness in life that you can experience not within like the normal timeline that we've been pitch to us in our, in our lives so far.
1: I absolutely agree. I don't think you're ever too old for anything. I don't think yeah. you ever outgrow anything. Like I've known too many people who have, who have found so much joy and happiness, even in their like second and third marriages that like, absolutely we have, we, you can live a lot of lives within one life, if that yes. makes sense. Like there's uh-huh. no, like there is no done. There is no like finished. It's all going to always keep evolving. And like, and changing and in hopefully positive ways. But I mean, the longer I'm alive, the easier it is to roll with the negative shit too. So I can only Mm -hmm. imagine like if I just if I like being alive more the older I get, like I'm gonna like my relationships more the older I get too. I'm gonna be able to like I feel like appreciate them more and feel them more deeply and I don't I never fear ever that I'm going to be alone, literally forever. Like, I don't think I'm going to be doing this podcast at eight (laughs) alone. Like that's just, I don't, I don't believe that that's what's going to happen. I know too many people who are partnered. I know that too much of the planet. Is partnered numbers wise alone. If anyone needs any comfort, like statistically alone, all of y'all are gonna get married. Like it's just the way yeah. that it goes.
2: I know. Absolutely. And too, like I think one of the things that I love so much about your podcast and some of the um like the language we're starting to see emerge around this is that I'm just so grateful for is a uh, A balancing of the importance of intimacy on a marriage relationship versus our other relationships in our lives. And I think so many of us save like this intimacy for our our spouses, thinking like this is the the one like all-being like relationship in our lives. And of course we have like close friends and family, but I just feel so lucky to have like really, really, really deep, loving, intimate friendships now that I know will continue into that stage of life too. But anytime I'm feeling like alone or less than or whatever, I just have to sit and think about all the people that love me currently and all the the friends that I have in my life. And it really makes it not so bad <laughs> that I'm not married. And um, I just, yeah, I think it's so important that we like pour into those relationships especially while we have them and hopefully afterwards too. But I, yeah, I just think that we've been lied to about the fact that like, this is the one relationship that we can be so vulnerable and intimate and whatever. And I think we can share that with so many other people, not in like a giving it all away type of a thing, but in just like letting other people into those spaces of our lives too, that aren't just our partners.
1: I feel like I blame capitalism (laughs) Hear me out on this. Hear me no, out. I'm like, give it to me. If you like sort of train people to think that they have to get married, the marketing opportunities around like weddings and being in a couple and having babies and all of that shit. I feel mm-hmm. like single mm-hmm. women spend their money so differently than coupled people. Mm hmm. And yeah, by the way, good point. do you want to talk about capitalism? I never get pitched cool products for single women. I have to dig them up on my own. Like there are so many marketing opportunities that people are really failing on out there. But anyway, yeah. so in your life, what are you most proud of accomplishing as a single woman?
2: I don't know if it's exactly proud of accomplishing. I just am so grateful for the space that singleness has allowed me to step more fully into who I am and really exploring like I don't know, just the bigger, deeper things about life in a way that I don't think I could process with another human at this point. And it, it's with that, it's allowing me to become this greater version of myself so that hopefully my relationships will benefit from that someday. And so I just think, yeah, I just am so like thankful that I haven't been coupled by this point. Like, permanently. Yeah. Um, I have have relationships, but um, just because of the space it's allowed me. And I think some of the creativity and the personal growth that's come out of it um, has been so invaluable for me. Um, and then too, just the fact that I can, I think traveling alone like, has, been a, has felt like a big accomplishment too. Just realizing that I can really do anything on my own that I want to. And when I said, when I traveled alone for the first time, it just gave me this total sense of empowerment. Like I can do anything that I can figure out anything that I need to on my own and I I don't need someone else. And so it just then anyone else gets to be a bonus to that, not like a net a necessity in my life.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Resourcefulness and like personal growth are also recurring themes within this podcast and on Facebook and just in life in general. I think the my friend, Emily, likes to talk about how resourceful I am. She always reminds me of that whenever I freak <laughs> out about something. She's like, you're the most resourceful person I've ever met. And really, it's just it's so Amazon Prime. Like, there's no, like, there's nothing I've ever needed that Amazon cannot deliver. Well, apart from, like, the whole sensuality thing that we've just discussed for yeah. the last hour. But um, in general, those are really, really key components of of things that have built my confidence as a single woman and hopefully have built others' confidence as well. You're not wrong. Like, that. That space to to figure shit out, and the mm-hmm. the confidence you get when you realize you can figure shit out is is so impactful and so important in my opinion. Um, yeah, where where can everyone who's listening connect with you and find you and find your podcast? So I am
2: at glittering grace is my Instagram handle and that's my blog and website. And you can find everything there. The link to my podcast is there, but yeah, my podcast is high friend and it's on iTunes and, um, it's on my, my blog as well.
1: Love it. So everyone should subscribe to that and listen to that (laughs) in conjunction with this one. I'm always so fascinated when people are like, oh my God, it's my morning ritual on my way to work. And I'm like, really? I'm still so <laughs> surprised. I'm still so surprised that people oh, are like okay. vibing on this, like at their desk at work. It's like, it's a dream.
2: No, it's the best. You, Yeah. I've loved what you've created here.
1: I'm, it's so cool. I wish you guys could see the way that I record this podcast. I'm in a new apartment and I'm in the last episode that I edited before yours. Um I mm-hmm. heard this terrible echo that was coming through. I don't know if listeners can hear it, but I heard it, and it was driving me crazy. So now I'm recording in my bedroom, sitting in front of my window on a box, and I'm like staring out at massive amounts of construction that this mic is probably picking up. so Res- just resourceful just resourceful. <laughs> <laughs>